0: Welcome back to the Inspired
1: Living with Autoimmunity Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Michelson, and today we are joined by Damon Sunantananasik, CEO of Nature Cure Labs. In our conversation, we'll educate you on just what you should be looking for to assure quality in your supplements and inspire you to do your own research. We dive into supplementing with monolaurin, and while we don't get into any medical claims in our conversation, I can tell you from preparing for the show that the reviews for their monolaurin products are astounding. Consumers experience resolution of everything from candida to Lyme symptoms and incredible immune support, including improved Hashimoto's symptoms and results that are better than expected all around. Listen in to empower yourself. Damon, welcome to the podcast.
2: Julia, it's my pleasure to be here.
1: So you are a different kind of guest for us. I don't have many guests that are in the supplement world. And so I'm excited to have you on because what you're doing is so important. And I want our listeners to get educated about not only your products, but I want them to hear there are so many supplements out there and you are, so I say I'm a geek you are so passionate about what you're doing, and that you're doing it well. That I'm, I'm just thrilled to have you on.
2: That's really kind of you to say. Thanks, Julie. Yeah, we're a mission-driven company, and and you know we do our best to uphold to our values of you know, quality, transparency, and trust. And we're going to try to exemplify that on today's chat.
1: Super. So I love starting with your story. I always say, you know, I guarantee you when you were a four-year-old boy, you weren't like, I want to bring amazing supplements to people. So how did you get into this world?
2: Yeah, great question. So I founded the company in 2015 after living overseas for several years. I had the, the benefit of living in Europe. For several years, and, and East Asia for several years, and in each country I lived in, I was afforded access to nationalized healthcare, so I didn't really have to worry about my own personal health and wellness during those years. But being originally from the United States, I eventually moved back in 2015 to San Francisco, and for the first time in my adult life, I, I sort of was shocked into the realization of like I'm not protected here. I, I don't have a safety net necessarily as it relates to my health. And I, I found myself you know, empathizing in a very real way with the 29 million Americans who don't have any health insurance and the 58 million adults who suffer from what's referred to as medication insecurity. They just don't have access to the therapeutics and drugs that they need to uh, stay or maintain a healthy lifestyle. And I thought, you know, there has to be a better way here. And, you know, sort of browsing the supplement shelves in your local Walgreens or CVS, I sort of realized that, you know, the offerings, at least at that time, were really lacking either in terms of quality, you know, the lack of uh, synthetic excipients, uh, having research based dosages and and formulas. And I thought, you know, this is an opportunity here to, to really help a lot of people. And so that's what got us started. And, you know, we started as a mission-based company to, to apply a lot of you know, research to the formulation and production of, of supplements and, you know, celebrate that research. So we've been on a sort of an education campaign since 2015 to help people, you know, become you know, a little bit more aware and and you know, self-educate around the products that they're, they're purchasing and putting in their bodies. And, you know, What the science behind it is saying, and how to make educated decisions.
1: I love that, and that's what I'm really excited to dig into today. And I'm gonna say what you probably can't or wouldn't. Please don't shop at Walgreens for your supplements, guys. (laughs) Anybody listening? Because that's that's what I really want to focus on today. Is you know quality. We need to be making sure. It's no different than your food, your water. It's got to be high quality or just don't even do it.
2: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I'd love to unpack that a little bit more in the call today.
1: We we will circle back to that, but I want to dive right in. And I, I have already asked you before we hit record to really keep this simple for us. I know we've got a variety of listeners out there. Some are really well educated and are probably extremely familiar with monolaurin already, and some are like mono what? So <laughs> let, let's talk about monolaurin because it's this is why I wanted to bring you on.
2: Happy to, yeah. Let's let's keep it high level and let's start from yeah. the beginning. So, as far as I understand it, monolaurin is a relatively new product or substance that was isolated in the 1960s, and the. So the origin story is a very unique one, and I, I can't confirm if it's true or not, but I, I do enjoy the story at least, is that a scientist was trying to unpack a hypothesis around why infants who are born really without an established immune system, like why are they not getting chronically ill or habitually ill, right? Because in order to build an immune system, you need to be exposed to external pathogens right? in order to have a response and build immunity and infants, as the story goes, haven't had that benefit yet. And so the scientist starts to look into the diet and see if there's anything that's influencing infant immunity from the diet. And in the analysis of human breast milk, a substance called lauric acid was isolated. Uh, Lauric acid is a 12-carbon atom chain, medium-chain fatty acid, and it it comprises about 6.5% of mother's breast milk. And uh, that level can vary depending on age, diet, location in the world, and ethnicity, things of that nature, but around six and a half percent. And that's really where the story starts is like finding lauric acid. And um, in nature, lauric acid really is only found in a a couple areas. Apart from breast milk, it's found in palm kernel oil. It constitutes around 48 or 49% of palm kernel oil and around 50% of the fatty acid content of coconut oil. And um, you know, that's sort of like where the hero of the story is born. And so lauric acid, when consumed, converts to monolaurin in the body. And the ratio of conversion is not fully understood or known, but uh, monolaurin is really the subject of a lot of the, the research that we'll we'll be exploring and unpacking today. And yeah, that's, that's where we got, that's where monolaurin gets started. You know, from the 1960s, a lot's happened since its earliest discoveries. Monolaurin today is currently used in a variety of, of commercial applications. It's used in food production. It's, it can be found in ice cream and pastas, things like a shelf stabilizer and, and freshness. And tell people
1: um, not to eat.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all those, all those healthy things. But also in cosmetics, again, you know, to preserve freshness and 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 shelf stability. Uh, it's sprayed on outsides of fruit and, fruits and vegetables to help in the transportation of, of them. And it's even used in... And meat processing facilities as a surface cleaner, as a sort of natural organic way of alternative, at least to using harsh chemicals. And it wasn't until rather recently, it, it was used as a, a dietary supplement. And, and you're looking at the research, it's, it, it's evident why some people choose to take monolaurin as a supplement. And so that's, that's where, that's what piqued our interest. So what's nice about monolaurin or glycerol monolaurate is, is its scientific name is that it is listed on the FDA's GRASS list. Uh, GRASS is an acronym, which stands for generally recognized as safe. And so that's why it's, it's very popularly used across these, these different industries, including dietary supplements.
1: Amazing. And it is interesting. It's, it's, as you said, relatively young yet. It's been it's grown a lot quickly. Sometimes you know we'll talk about something that somebody discovered you know 100 200 years ago that was good for health, and then you know nobody did anything with it. For so I like that you know it's all of those uses at least in the food industry and for cleaning. I'm like okay these are this is a a good substance. I would much rather somebody clean stuff down with monolaurin than most of those harsh chemicals that i prefer not to come into contact with
2: right as popularity has certainly increased not just in the last few decades but indeed in the last couple of years according to google trends analysis monolaurin search volumes increased by over 300 percent last year probably in response to you know people just becoming a little bit more aware of you know personal health and wellness and and just you know maybe folks seeking out those sort of natural or homeopathic alternatives.
1: And I, I wanted, this is a perfect point. I, I know how careful you are uh, um, about what we can discuss or what you can say to protect yourself and your and your company, which is brilliant. We want you to keep doing what you're doing. But for listeners, I say this all the time, this is none nothing we talk about today is medical advice. Always seek, you know, your... Provider, whether it's a supplement, a an exercise, anything that you're doing to support your health, check check with your doctor. We're going to get into some specifics, but again, you know, it's, it's always always seek the advice of your medical provider.
2: I, I completely endorse that, and I completely agree. Yeah.
1: So so let's talk. There there, one of the exciting things about monolaurin is this variety of, I mean, it almost seems like a a wonder supplement, if you will, in the sense of not that it's going to be the end all cure all, but people can use it to support themselves for a variety of reasons. My, and interestingly, pretty much all of those reasons play a part in, you know, autoimmunity or Likely, in parts and pieces of people's autoimmune journey, and I've heard you say, which is one of the reasons why I was like, yes, please come on the podcast. you know healing is a journey. Life is a journey. you know we're always growing and changing. sometimes we need need different support and different. but for somebody listening who has autoimmunity, you know what what would you think, and again, we're not talking about healing anything or but but what are some reasons why why are these Google searches increasing? What are people looking for? What are they using it for?
2: Right, you make a lot of excellent points there, and, and happy to explore that a little further. Just to you know, further bolster your <laughs> earlier statement is that there's no magic bullet, or indeed, right. in our case, a magic pill. You know, personal health and wellness is a journey, exactly as you as you said, which you know it requires you know people to be mindful of their, well, the foods that they consume, you know, the rest that they get, the exercise they get, managing stress, et cetera, and supplements come into play as part of that sure. overall approach to health and wellness. But no, no particular supplement is going to be uh, going to be a cure or a magic bullet or anything like that. So uh, it's great that you bring that up. Look, yes, the Interest in Montaloran continues to grow for several reasons. I I wish I could sort of yell from the rooftops all the incredible research which is out there, but what I can do is is probably arm a lot of listeners with the tools they need to go find and seek out their own information and and make uh, individual uh, decisions based on the information that they find. So let's Let's go through some of those outlets and and what sure. they, how they might approach. Which
1: them. is you know this is the old you know teach them to fish analogy because this isn't just Lauren specific. We should Correct. all always be making sure everything we take, you know, has research behind it, has science behind it. So that's yeah, right. Point yeah, us in that's the right what, direction.
2: Absolutely. So the first resource I might recommend is a resource by the National Institutes of Health. It's called PubMed. PubMed is a fantastic database, which is managed by the the U.S. government, which is a database of scientific and academic research. And nearly all the the publications that you can find on there are sort of what the scientific community community refers to as the gold standard, right? So peer-reviewed, multi-centered, double-blind, placebo-controlled, studies, both in vitro, which means uh, sort of in the laboratory setting or in vivo, which means within the body or a body, I should say, not necessarily the human body. Right. So if you go to PubMed, it functions very similarly to Google. There's a search bar and you type in uh, a set of search terms and it it returns a few results. So for example, your listeners may choose to search for monolaurin or even lauric acid or glycerol monolaurate, its scientific name, plus a, I don't know, a a modifier that's interesting to them. It it could be autoimmune, as you rightly pointed out earlier. It it could be uh, hypothyroidism. A lot of people search for Lyme disease, and, and just gonna many say
1: we have a lot of underlying viruses, bacteria, fungus that can contribute
2: to chronic fatigue and, yep. and things of that nature. Exactly, bar, exactly right, that's right, yeah,
1: lots of goodies. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and you'd be very surprised at their results, which are returned, right? And you know, sometimes it's their references, sometimes it's the actual uh, study itself, but you know, usually the hundreds or sometimes thousands of results related to what you're searching for Um, a similar uh, tool which you know you can you can use is actually google scholar so google scholar is really interesting it it has a very familiar interface but it focuses only on the academic and scientific studies and google scholar can pick up some really really fascinating results again just putting in a pair of search terms like Lauren plus you know whatever attribute you're you're looking to to get educated about it and a return you know, hundreds if not thousands of results, and you know sometimes these academic papers can be a little bit daunting, full of Latin words and uh, equations and and other elements which are are don't make the most friendly bedtime reading. So if if you're interested, there's actually a, a very interesting website called uh, monolaurinandmore which takes a lot of the the guesswork and and does a lot of the filtering and and up-leveling of these studies for you. So at monolaurenandmore.com, I I believe there's upwards of 70 articles that are categorized by, by uh, themes. And again, I I think that's
1: a great starting place for people. If you're not somebody who's used to doing a lot of research, I would recommend actually starting there. (laughs) Educate yourself, and then you can dive deeper on something That's right. like PubMed.
2: You make a great point. And what's helpful about MonoLearn and more is that every article it contains really three principal components. One is sort of like the reader's digest take on a particular subject. So it's very, very easy to understand, comprehend, and interpret. The second is that it, it contains specific verbatim quotes from the actual studies, right? So you don't have to dig in the study to, find, to figure out what they're trying to say. The third component, which is I think what you're touching on, is uh, are the references and citations, which go back to PubMed, which go back to Google Scholar, which go back to the original uh, source where you can sort of learn more, right? You can double click on, on these, these topics and, and read the full paper if if you so choose.
1: I love that. So interesting. So you mentioned... And I, I happen i happen to know, because I like to do my research, one of the, the sources, and I know it's the source you guys use for monolaurin, is the coconut oil for a variety of reasons, including ethical. We're all steering away from palm and we want to save those trees. Tell us the difference, if you will. I was going to say, not in scientific terms. I don't know if you can do that, but basically... Some listeners might be thinking, "Oh, good, you know, I already consume a lot of coconut oil, right? I know it's anti-inflammatory, and I, I take it; it's a good fat." What would be the difference for them? You know, how much coconut oil would somebody have to consume to kind of equate supplementing with monolaurin?
2: Great question. There's a few things to unpack here. Let's begin with using coconut oil as your source for monolaurin. Okay. So as we mentioned earlier in the call, coconut oil contains around 49 or 50% lauric acid, which is converted in the body to monolaurin. The precise conversion ratio is not known, but it can be estimated. And we've done some internal calculations on our side, which indicate that, you know, if you were to take a standard size, 600 milligram capsule of monolaurin, you would need to consume around six and a half teaspoons of coconut oil. Right. That takes into account the density of, of coconut oil and and sort of converting it in, in several ways to getting you know how many milligrams you'll need to consume. And if you're an average person who may choose to take you know, a couple capsules with breakfast, a couple with lunch, a couple with dinner, you'd have to consume around one cup. It's actually precisely 0.81 cups of coconut oil <laughs> per day in order to get the six capsule dose which for some people, you know, may be unpleasant or just unrealistic if you're taking Uh, it. For some people,
1: yeah. Yeah, For most people, I would venture to guess. And then I'm guessing just from doing what I do and knowing how different and unique all our bodies are, not everybody would be able to convert equally as well. I would imagine that we would all convert, you know, lark acid into a different amount of monolaurin, give or take.
2: Right. So the, you know, potentially a more precise way is just taking it in su- supplement <laughs> form versus through consuming coconut oil. But you made another great point is that, you know, not all or and supplements are created equal. Not only is it the source, so you, you rightly pointed out there is a difference between coconut and palm kernel source. We're not, you know, going to say that one source is better than another, but there are ethical reasons for choosing one source over another. For those who are not familiar, you know, palm kernel oil is harvested in Southeast Asia in sensitive environments like in Indonesia. There's a lot of deforestation that happens, which are you know displacing uh, native species like uh, the endangered orangutan, etc. So, for an ethical re- for ethical reasons, we cho- we we prefer coconut source over palm kernel source. But that's not the only decision that someone may want to make when selecting a monolaurin product. Another consideration is you know. Eh, Something called an excipient. An excipient is a rather technical term. It, it's a part of the essential part of uh, any supplement manufacturing process. But high speed encapsulation equipment requires a certain flow.
1: I'm going to pause that- you for a second and back it up before <laughs> to really put it in. I want people to lean in and listen to this part. This is something I talk to my clients about all the time. And I know you're going to get to really what it is and why we should care. But <clears throat> I and it's I know it's technically is an excipient, it's not a filler, but I, I want people to understand you're talking about what's required to make the capsule <clears throat> or pill of whatever form. People would think of it, even though it's technically incorrect, as a filler. As somebody who is an AIP coach, I'm always having people read labels. And so you're going to get to where we find this, but but this is so so important for quality. And this isn't just with Lauren, guys. This is every supplement you take. You're going to, you're about to receive gold. And I, so I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I really want people to listen to this. If you only listen to this one piece of the podcast, listen to this.
2: All right. With that amazing preface, (laughs) let's uh, let's jump into some uh, considerations when selecting a particular supplement. I guess if we were to, Let's take a step back even further. One of the choices you have to make is around the form factor. The form factor is is interesting in the fact that you could take loose bulk powder if you wanted to. The challenge here, and that has like zero fillers, right? It's it's just pure straight Monolaurin powder. The challenge here is that monolaurin by nature is an extremely bitter, extremely soapy, extremely sticky substance, right? Which even if trying to mask it in pudding or applesauce will coat the mouth and it's a taste you'll never get out, right? <laughs> I, I've done it several times myself. It is just very, very unpleasant. How does it
1: compare to glutathione?
2: Oh, gosh. <laughs> is,
1: it, is it up there in that category If you just don't do it? <laughs> just Just trust it.
2: Yeah, I think that they, they it's encapsulated for a reason. Okay. So if you don't want to fight the taste, well, then you really have a couple of choices. One is in a pellet form, which is a rather novel delivery mechanism or capsules. So pellets, what's nice about pellets is uh, it's pretty economical. You can get very, very high doses of monolaurin through pellets, one scoop. Is upwards of maybe five or six grams per scoop, which is a significant amount of monolaurin. The challenge with pellets, which for those people who have not seen these, they are BB-sized, teardrop-shaped, small beads of monolaurin, is that they're encapsulated in glycerol, which for some people may uh, upset the stomach. Right? If you read consumer reviews of pellet monolaurin, some people complain that you know after taking the pellet Monolora, and a few hours later, they, they find it in the, in the toilet, right? Which leads you to believe that, well, gosh, I thought I was getting five grams, but <sighs> if I'm finding it undissolved, then maybe I'm not, maybe I'm getting a fraction of that. And you just don't know, right? So it's hard to be very precise with the dosage from that perspective. Another consideration is just, you know, it's, it's not very convenient. It doesn't really fit well in a purse or a pill organizer. It can be sensitive to, to high heat and things of that nature. So for that reason, you know, we personally prefer uh, capsule format when it comes to capsules. This is where the excipient comes in, by yes. the way. So capsules, you have a choice, either animal gelatin capsules or vegetable cellulose, plant cellulose capsules, hypermelulose capsules. So for those who, who may not want to take animal product, you might want to seek out vegetarian capsules. They come in two formats. One, like we said, is hypermellulose, which comes from softwood trees, traditionally pine, or there's an amazing capsule called pololin which is a derivative of tapioca, which is really, really cool. Capsule has amazing oxygen blocking properties. And we use both in our our products. So like we were beginning to, to unpack earlier, modern sophisticated encapsulation equipment requires a certain flow, which basically means when you're filling the capsules, you want to ensure a uniform fill. If the bottle says 600 milligrams per capsule, you better hope that there are 600 milligrams per capsule. And the way to do that is by using a lubricant and the industry is called an excipient. It's not a filler. It is an essential part of the manufacturing process to ensure that uniform fill and manufacturers have a choice when it comes to this excipient, this lubricant, right? They can use a synthetic lubricant, which generally speaking is silica or magnesium stearate. The drawbacks using magnesium stearate or silica is that it it may slow the absorption of whatever product you're taking. It may cause stomach upset. For us, for our, our capsules, we use a natural alternative. We use organic rice powder as our excipient. It does the same job. and just doesn't have a lot of the negative uh, side effects that, that may come with an artificial or, or synthetic excipient. So you can always figure this out by taking a bottle, turning it around and looking at the supplement facts panel. Immediately below the supplement facts panel, if it's written in a compliant way, should be the additional ingredients, right? One ingredient will clearly be the capsule, whether that's... Uh, uh, plant or animal based, and the other ingredient will usually be the excipient. So it should say something like rice powder or silica or magnesium stearate, cetera. Yeah, those are some of the some of the larger considerations. You know, other considerations that may not be as obvious when selecting a, uh, a supplement is: is does the manufacturing facility have accreditations? Right? Are they certified by UL or or NSF as a Good manufacturing process facility. Are they FDA registered? Are the products sent to an ISO 17025 laboratory? All these things. You know, if it if the package doesn't say it or if the website doesn't say it, it's probably because it's not, right? And uh, so you want to be conscious of that. You know, other things that are, are subtle and really only people in the industry catch on to it is like, label compliance, you know, is is the layout accurate? Are the fonts and point sizes, like up to FDA snuff, et cetera. And, and, you know, the the conscious manufacturers will go through the extra effort from both a time and expertise and expense perspective to make sure they get it right. Right. Because, uh, you know, gosh, in this industry, you know, really, only only the paranoid survive long term, right? You know, if you start to cut corners, it'll eventually catch up with you. And and so, you know, making sure you partner with for the company who has that dedication to to compliance, to transparency, to trust and safety is is really really critical long term.
1: That is, like I said, amazing. It, it's even if somebody doesn't want to. <laughs> step into the Lauren world if they just take away with those tips on really making sure that their supplements are high quality. And I, I want to add a little caveat because a lot of my listeners are, you know, maybe have done or are doing the autoimmune paleo protocol and rice is not allowed on the protocol. And it is one of the things a lot of people will say, you know, but this has rice. And I say, You're, you know, again, that's being used as a lubricant that's not being used. It's not a filler, number one. And even if it were, it is so much better than some of those other. I have so many clients that have issues, you know, gut issues, shocker in the autoimmune world. And those microcrystallines, you know, cause such gut upset for them. And really it it could be, you know, taking a a couple of capsules could then take weeks to get them back to where their, their gut's happy. So I say, for those of you that are worried about the organic rice powder, don't be, it is the best choice that you can make.
2: Yeah, that's great. And in fact, the industry is really uh, coming a long way you know there's a company called Ribus who produces an excipient which is not made from the rice kernel itself it's made from the husk it's really cool because they take what would normally be treated as a waste product from rice production they they sort of micro powder it and they use it as uh, as excipient you know the challenging thing here is sort of a balance between you know, meeting customer expectations and and using really cool ingredients. It's night nice. What what I love about the Ribus, you know, a flow agent is that it, it's a waste product, it's it's like the husk of the rice kernel. It's really great. But the, the, the drawback is it's brown. It's really dark brown. <laughs> and so Modelorin is normally a white powder. And if we experimented with it for a while, and customers just couldn't get over it. It's like, why did my model arm turn brown? I just don't understand. Is so, it
1: oxidized? Is yeah, it, yeah. I can imagine. The, so we, I'm yeah. one of those who, if something looks off, <laughs> I'll ask questions.
2: Sure. Yeah. yeah. But if it is, if it is, you know, sort of ribis, and don't worry, it's naturally supposed to be brown.
1: <laughs> I, I, one of the things I told you ahead of time, I really wanted to talk about, I already touched on without going too deep on, you know, cause we don't have enough time to even say all of the, the potential complementary issues that people with autoimmunity are dealing with, but I'm going to rename a few really quickly. Candida, Lyme. Oh, I said Epstein-Barr already, all various herpes simplex, pretty much you name it. These things are living creatures, most of them, all of them, actually. The monolaurin is, is helping us deal with. And therefore, in layman's terms, you're going to fix my words, I know. We create a die-off and the die-off creates a Herx reaction, which is something that anybody who's ever had one... <laughs> may have a little PTSD about so let, let's talk a little bit about that because you guys have so gone the extra mile and I know you also have tips for listeners who are sensitive or you know really want to be careful on how to take the products in a way that's going to even further prevent that
2: yeah that's great knowing this um again if i can just you know, mention monolore dot com. It's a fantastic website which which covers a lot of the the topics you just did in in really really great terms. And so I, I highly encourage people to go, go take a look out after listening to this episode. But yeah, let's talk about the Herxheimer reaction, also known as a die-off reaction. So there was a scientist named Joseph Herxheimer who coined the this die-off reaction term I guess decades ago. And what happens is um as you rightly pointed out, with a rapid die-off of, of pathogens, you know, from, gosh, if you take an antibiotic or whatever, can flood the the uh, the body with these uh, protein endotoxins, right? These like waste particles from the pathogen that was just killed off. And your body identifies this and wants to clean it up, right? So you have this inflammatory response, which is ironically similar to the symptoms of like a cold or flu. So while you are technically getting better, you may feel a lot worse, right? You may have aches and a, a low grade fever and, and a lot of symptoms that you would associate with with a cold or flu. And that's just your body's uh, inflammatory response trying to tidy up and clean up these protein endotoxins, which have been flooded into the body. And so, you know, there are some schools of thought that suggest that, you know, when you take a, a supplement, which may include monolaurin, you would want to avoid this rapid die-off symptom. And the way to do that, or at least the way the industry recommends is what's called a low and slow approach, right? So look, um, everybody, every, every, every person's body responds differently to supplements. And, uh, you know, I can't say like what particular dosage is going to be great for an individual because it's so dependent on an individual traits, you know, age and height and weight and sensitivities and things of that nature. So as you rightly pointed out earlier in the conversation, please work with your doctor, work with a healthcare uh, professional, a GP, et cetera, to sort of coach you through this and listen to your body, right? But the way the low and slow approach works is, is exactly as it sounds. If you were to start taking one for example, you may start with one capsule a day or even one capsule every couple of days, right? And slowly over time, increase that dose so that you avoid any, any die-off reaction, right? So you may start with a capsule a day in week one, week two, maybe you increase it to two, you know, by week three, you're up to three or four a day, et cetera, up into the therapeutic dose that you may be seeking to accomplish. And uh, the thought here is that if you do that low and slow approach, uh, you'll avoid any discomfort
1: which I love. And, and you're still, you know, as you said, you're getting to that therapeutic level. You're still at the win w- without the punishment. Those of, those of us with autoimmunity tend to even have, I would say, you know, standard is cold and flu like symptoms with a Hertz reaction or pretty much a full, what feels like a full blown autoimmune flare. And, and so, you know, nobody wants that to, to happen. And that that's can create so much resistance for people Because, you know, they have these underlying causes, these root causes that need to get treated. And maybe they, you know, heard about something else or their doctor wanted them to try something else. And they took it and they started with the full dose. They got the Herx reaction and they stopped. And they're two years down the road and they're still just as sick as they were. And so this, I think, is... So important for people to understand. I love that the low and slow, but this is the, the you know, tortoise wins the race every time, really. And, and so, with something as effective as lauren that there's, I would say for anybody listening to this, just start low and slow. You know, don't uh, roll the dice and see. You know, well, if I hurts then I'll go back. I mean, if that does happen, fine, then then go back. I always say you don't want to feel it. You talked about, you know, slowly increasing and it's that, you know, you want to kind of feel nothing before you bump up. So an amazing piece of advice for everybody on, on how to really use this to get to that, that therapeutic dose. I want to very briefly touch on, cause I've heard you say that you use this on a, you know, just kind of as a daily health support. So let's talk about that side of it as well, that this isn't necessarily geared to like, oh, you know, take this for X amount of time and treat something.
2: That's right. Yeah. So in addition to, so there are three Dosing protocols that are are generally um, accepted within the industry. The first is, of course, the introduction phase, right? The low and slow phase, which we just discussed. You know, the second, as as people would probably assume, is, is how they take it. It's like, oh my gosh, I feel immune compromised. I should probably like up my dose or or take this this supplement to, to help me, you know, support my immune system. And that's absolutely something that many people do, and and is totally fine. But as we mentioned earlier in the call, monolarin is a grass-listed supplement, and um, therefore it has no defined, as far as we've researched, it doesn't have a defined upper limit, nor uh, a period of time which you're able to take it. It doesn't seem to impact healthy gut bacteria. It does not contribute to antibiotic resistance, et cetera. And so because of those points, many people decide to take it as sort of like a, a daily driver, you know, you're like like you would a multivitamin or a you know a daily supplement of vitamin C or vitamin D. And uh, the thought here is that if I can continue to support and maintain a healthy immune system, well, then I won't have to worry about <laughs> increasing a dose in the future because I, I may, you know, have a immune compromise.
1: I love that. And we, we don't have time <laughs> to go into all the different things I want to talk about, but I will just tack on because I've heard you talk about it before in that sense of, of prevention. Look, we're made to be exposed to all kinds of stuff all the time. And I know there are studies out there. I, I believe it was a Giardia study I heard you reference once where, so we're not just talking about, you know, treatment here. that really, you know, monolaurin can help prevent when we do come into contact with some of these things can help us not get sick to begin with and that's the idea behind just take it if you're if that's something you're interested in
2: I see you've been doing your homework.
1: Yes, I told you I'm a geek. <laughs> so, what is one step listeners can take today, you know, immediately to improve their health?
2: Right. As I mentioned earlier, today's conversation is not about trying to convince anyone that a particular supplement is going to solve a particular health issue. That's that's not the point of today's call. Sure. The point is really to help uh, inspire and instigate people to get out and do a little bit of the research on their own, right? To become educated, to to do some of that self study, and and feel really confident and really good about you know seeking out a particular supplement. And and for me you know, monolaurin has been such an incredibly uh, helpful and inspirational product and and supplement and, and the research is out there. And so what I would want people to do is, is go to PubMed, go to Google Scholar and, you know, do some of that research and, and feel really, really good and confident about, about what the science is saying. And don't believe me, (laughs) you know, don't believe uh, an advertisement, which may pop up somewhere, you know, become educated, understand that. You know, personal health and wellness is a journey, as we as we said several times in today's call, which is a combination of of lifestyle choices, which may or may not include supplementation. But I'm not here to to push or promote a, a particular product or substance. I'm just here to say, you know, look at the research and and make your own decisions.
1: Well, you like to inspire, which is why I wanted you on inspired living. And I have a program called Take Your Power Back. This is my purpose in life. And and what you're recommending to listeners is just that. Take your power back, do your research, educate yourself. And for those of you listening that are interested in trying the product, I know Damon has an amazing gift for you. If you go to Natural Cure Labs and you use the code JULIE10, you will get a discount and and again do the low and slow approach. <laughs> and then you are gonna love it. That I can promise.
2: That's really kind. And we're we're here to help. You know, we our our mission is, is to help with the education, to provide, you know, quality, safe, you know, research based supplements. It doesn't start and end with Mona There are, sure. are several other you know botanical and herbal extracts which can can really you know be very interesting for, for individuals, including things like we have a biofilm product which is really which I, interesting.
1: So I may need to have you back so that we can focus on biofilm because Absolutely people need to understand that as well. And it just, we just don't have time to get into all of it. So here we are on air. I'm inviting you back because I want to go there as well. So I love it. Where is, and all the links guys, including that discount code will be in the show notes. But for those that listen, like I do, maybe they're driving or walking, where can they find you if they're, they're like, wow, this guy's really, you know, awesome I want to hear more. I want to learn more. What's the best place to find you?
2: Yeah. So naturalcurelabs.com is is our parent company and our current uh, website. We are in, actually, it's a, the company has a few brands. One is clearly Natural Cure Labs been around since 2015. We make human supplements. We recently started to make supplements for pets. So we have a a pet line called Vitatails, which you can also find online. And we're slowly transitioning our brand to a new brand called Palmara Health. And you know, so if you receive something in the mail, you, know, you order from naturalcarelabs.com, which may have a label that says Palmara. don't worry.
0: It's the same, <laughs> the same
2: product. Yeah. Same company. Uh, just, a, just a small change in, in the logo. And we just wanted to sort of better reflect the, the mission values of the company with a with name change. So uh,
1: we're you know, always an evolving and growing, right? This Indeed. is, it's a process. It's a process. Yeah,
2: so naturalcurelabs.com is where you can find us, palmerahealth.com redirects there.
1: Wonderful. Damon, thank you so much for sharing all of this amazing knowledge with us today. I really appreciate it.
2: It's my pleasure, Julie. Thank you for having me.
1: For everyone listening, remember you can get the show notes and transcripts by visiting inspiredliving.show. I hope you had a great time and enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I will see you next week.
0: Thank you for listening to Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to get a transcript of this and every other episode, just head on over to inspiredliving.show or click on the link in this episode's description. There, you can also find everything we discussed in this episode, including links and information about our guest. You can even send in your questions to be answered by Julie in a future episode. That's inspiredliving.show. Until next time, this is Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, helping you take your power back.